welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing, and then some. I am your host, the legendary Randy Erickson, and I was just flying solo, but a chili dog just uh, made an appearance, laying in her bed under my desk at my feet. It's like, how cute can that be? And she's all wet because it's been raining here. So, uh, what's going on this week for you? Um, not much here. The Black Hills 100 trail run coming up Friday. So I'll be there uh, doing my thing. It's always a fun race. Lots of great people. And also one of those races I really like because it comes literally in front of the house and on the Centennial Trail like 40 yards from the front door. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. The... Uh, Runners usually get here about 10 o'clock at night or a little earlier. So I go down the end of the driveway and do some long exposure stuff. So I get those cool streaky things. Um, maybe run down to Silver City for a little bit. Come home about midnight. Crawl into bed. Get up at about 5.30 and uh, be down to the start of the 50 miler at Silver City at 6. So... Works out great for me. And then the 30K starts at 8, so I get to go to that one too. So I had a long couple of days, but I get a good sleep in there. So I am not complaining. Uh, what else is coming up? Um, got a open water swim shoot in a couple of weeks. And the start of the Trans-South Dakota. Oh, Tatanka Mountain Bike Race, which is a different course this year out of Sturgis. So that should be fun. Uh, then it's... Um, off to untamed New England, kind of working on some different uh, things, how to get there. I thought I had a week between Trans-South Dakota and the race, and it turns out I don't. So scrambling a little bit to uh, make that happen a little more. So, all right, I've rambled enough because nobody wants to hear me. Boo-hoo me. Anyway, um, Eric Caravella. Yeah, listen to it. One of the great questions of all times gets answered. So go fast, take chances, and it's not going to be that deep to cross the river. I think we'll be fine. Plus, 29ers will float. So uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Hello? I hear you. Do you hear me? <laughs> I do. This is actually my first Facebook call of all time. I didn't even know this was possible. Oh, it's... um. It's pretty amazing, quite honestly. I mean, because everybody has it. A lot of people don't even know their, like, Skype login anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can do video. I don't do video because I have a face for podcasting. <laughs> so, <laughs> But, yeah, it's actually, I, I use it a lot. I mean, it's really funny. You know, you grab your phone and literally call anybody in the world for nothing. Yeah, the sound sound quality is good. Yeah, it, it's pretty good. Yeah, tonight. Once in a while, it's a little iffy, but, you know, it'll... so I have a bird with me, as you might have heard. Everybody, Jimmy's here. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, so it's cool. I've heard, I've heard the bird. Yeah. The bird. So you get in the full, well, Stevie isn't here, but she doesn't make any noise anyway. <laughs> so um, tell the people who you are. Uh, we, we're, I think we're the bird going. thought you were talking to him. <laughs> Jimmy. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, she's a she's a ham. But but who are you? Uh, yeah, my, so my name is Eric Caravella. I am with the New York Adventure Racing Association, usually. Uh, I've race, been racing with them for a few years. Uh, and, you know, periodically I'll race with a, another crew if if need be. Uh, most recently I raced with Rootstock um, in Tasmania for XPD. But, yeah, my core group are... Uh, are here on the east coast in the new york new jersey area i live in new jersey but uh my buddies that i race with a couple of them live in new york and now a couple of them live in colorado as well you know olaf and whitney hedberg i raced with them i raced with them a lot um not recently since they've moved out to uh colorado i've done one or two bigger races with them but uh yeah for the most part these days i'm racing with john and aaron corain uh, here on the East Coast, they've been around for a while. They were racing with Rev Three for a while, and and uh, they'll be on my squad for the uh, Untamed New England Adventure Race yeah. in July, as well as uh, Vanessa Peck, who is relatively new to the adventure racing scene. She's been with us for a couple of years. She's a very experienced mountain bike racer and uh, super super strong on the mountain bike. So we had. Uh, invited her to join us a few years ago, so she started racing with us um, in 2015, I think, and has done really well, adapted very well to the sport. Um, she's very strong, and we try to get her to race with us as, as much as possible, but she's a nurse and insanely busy with work at all times, so getting her out of the hospital and into the woods sometimes is a challenge but yeah so the four of us are going to be racing together and untamed and we're really excited about it yeah so uh when you do get her out to race or uh, train with you does is the first thing she says is i'm not working this weekend so don't get hurt (laughs) uh she's 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 pretty uh she's a pretty amazing athlete and i'll tell you something uh she does a great job at uh just kind of quietly suffering her way through whatever we throw at her it's pretty amazing for someone who's not uh done a lot of this type of uh, competition before she really has a high tolerance for discomfort and because she has so much experience working swing shifts and all that she deals very well with the sleep deprivation aspect of the racing too um, but yeah, she goes all out, and really, uh, I mean, if if she's got any flaws, it's just that she doesn't speak up enough when she's uncomfortable, uh, which is uncommon sometimes with people. But yeah, no, she's been a good addition to the team, and uh, you know, we haven't raced. The four of us have raced together uh, numerous times, and we've had some success as a foursome, but we've never done an expedition race in this. Uh, constellation so to speak yeah. so it should be interesting and it'll actually be Vanessa's first multi-day yeah. so uh, so she is uh, cautiously optimistic I guess you know I think she's nervous but uh, she's asking a lot of good questions and we've got a couple good training sessions so far this year and we're actually going up to Maine in a couple weeks for Strong Machines Maine Summer Adventure Race so that'll be a good primer for the four of us to get out and kind of gel together as a unit and see some of the main wilderness um so yeah. we're looking forward to that 
Yeah, so um, how do I put this? Do do women suffer? I don't want to say better, but are they quieter? Do they just kind of take it, whereas we men whine? <laughs> I know, you know what? I actually haven't thought of that until you mention it, and it seems to me that uh, you know now that I'm thinking about it, I've raced with some amazing female athletes. I mean, Whitney's amazing. Mm-hmm. Vanessa's amazing. Tamala Swan I've raced with, who is one of the toughest people I know. Molly Hausman. We we raced with Molly Hausman at NARS Nationals in 2015, and if she's not one of the strongest athletes I've ever raced with, I don't I don't know who is. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, and and Abby of course too. In Tasmania, that was the first time I raced with Brent and Abby. And, you know, they, they'll speak up, and I find that the more experienced racers will speak up, male and female, um, will speak up more readily about, you know, maybe they're uncomfortable with the pace, or maybe they need to stop and take care of something and manage their bodies a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, I, may have, I may have to say that I've heard a little more whining from the male racers out there than I have from the female racers. I don't think that uh, it would be fair to characterize the females as completely silent. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I, I think that, I don't know. Yeah. I think that they may have a higher tolerance for pain than we do. I'm not sure what, really what that is. Yeah. Um, let's, okay, we're going we're gonna to go down this road for a little bit. Because you, okay, you've been racing for a while. And, and I say that because you've been on, on not being like stocky, but I've known who you are for a long time. You've always been kind of like, I should probably talk to Eric sometime, and then finally I had a reason. But, you know, in your experience, are women adventure racers, well, oh, simple way, are, the, are women and men adventure racers the same? Mentally, I mean, obviously not physically, but but their makeup. Um, you're all nuts. Know. We know that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, I think it would be remiss to me to try to claim I can get in the head of the female. Okay. Um. Uh. But uh, you know, from my experience, I think um, I think um, motivations for doing it are largely the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. Th- I just I think that we all are interested in pushing ourselves and you know experiencing the wilderness in a different way and in a way that only adventure racing can allow and uh, and really just the you know kind of the camaraderie and the teamwork of the sport I, I really think that yeah I think men and women they we do it for a lot of the same reasons we may do it in a little bit of a different way than each other um, but uh, I think the biggest difference is just that uh, I think there just are more men that are are have a particular interest in that kind of sport or that kind of suffering or that kind of endeavor. I think um, you know what I what I f- have found over the last few years in adventure racing about about the people who participate in this sport is that they are all you know for the most part very uh, successful and driven people who set goals for themselves and work really hard to achieve them. 
Um, so in that way, uh, I think also that the men and the women in the sport are, are a lot alike. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm probably the wrong person to talk to about what's going on inside the head of the female racer, Randy. <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? Um, what, what's, what's the saying? Don't try to understand women because women understand women and they don't like each other. Yeah. <laughs> I right. haven't heard that. But. <laughs> all right, I I uh, I take full. Uh, send all your emails to me and not Eric. But all right, let's 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 get into something safer. Probably yeah, probably politics would be safer. But um, where did where did you come from? Where was a young? How did a young Eric become an adventure racer? Uh, so I, I spent my childhood, uh, yeah, I was born and raised in New Jersey, but my parents were always very outdoorsy. We went camping and hiking a lot when I was a kid. And when I went to, I got a little older, I spent all my summers up in the Adirondacks at summer camp doing, uh, you know, 10 day canoeing trips into Canada and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, the, the outdoors was never, uh, uh, totally foreign to me, but, you know, I got a little older in high school. I started mountain bike racing, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but in college, kind of went through a period where uh, my physical uh, pursuits fell off a bit. Um, <laughs> kind of went through yeah. a party stage. You went, went to college. Stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I went to college. And I was living in New York City and in a bit of a party stage, so... I got out of college and realized uh, I wasn't living the healthiest of lifestyles, mm-hmm. so I decided to see what I could do to get back in shape. And as, actually, my sister had run a Warrior Dash uh, obstacle race, so she in, invited me to join her in doing another one. And so I ran and got a little fitter and lost a little bit of weight and did a Warrior Dash, and I thought, hey, this obstacle racing thing is pretty cool. So I started doing that and pushing myself more and more. And I ended up doing a couple of Tough Mudders and Spartan races and and a little bit about my personality. I mean, a lot of people that know me know that I have a bit of an addictive personality where if I get into something, I really push it and I really go hard and go fast. And I get really into it and then I, and then I burn out on it pretty quickly. Okay, yeah. Uh, so it was about two years of obstacle racing, and I was super bored of it. So uh, I decided to see what was next, and I remembered really enjoying mountain biking and thought, well, hey, it would be cool to kind of incorporate mountain biking back into my life in some way. And probably a story you've never heard before, but <laughs> I was thinking, hey, what about that eco-challenge thing, right? Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people that... Mm-hmm. thought of the eco challenge and I said is there an accessible way to get into that so I googled it in my area and the goals uh, adventure racing association popped up with a six hour race in the spring of 2013 their savage adventure race down in uh, down in uh, Delaware I think it was or Maryland uh, and so I signed up for that and I decided to race it solo and I went out and I bought a whole bunch of books on adventure racing and I bought uh, books on wilderness navigation and I took a clinic with REI on how to navigate and I was really into it and trying to teach myself because I didn't know anybody else in the sport, so I was just teaching myself. 
And on the, as an aside, I'll never forget this. I'm reading a, one of Ian Adamson's books about adventure racing, and he's talking about how, well, you may be planning your first six-hour race now. Before you know it, you're going to end up with a garage full of gear and planning a $20,000 trip around the world for a six-day expedition race. And I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever read in my life. I'm like, what? Yeah. No way. Yeah. But here we are, right, yeah. five years later. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So anyway, for my first year, I just started stepping it up. I did pretty well at the first six hour. Then I did an eight hour, and then I did a ten hour. And at the ten hours, when I met Olaf and Whitney, and you know, I had I had pretty good success up to that point, like I said. And they, please stand by. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Our show will continue momentarily. Um, the good thing is, as I know exactly the last thing you said. <laughs> Which is what I met Eric or I met um, Whitney and Olaf. Olaf and yep. Whitney, yeah, yeah. So they were actually race directors at the twelve hour I did, and uh, they invited or the ten hour rather. They invited me to do uh, the Krista Grisacker race with them, and we won it and qualified for nationals. So we actually went to nationals in Indiana my first year racing, and um, you know it it was it was a big year for me. And, uh, you know, it was quite an introduction into the sport. And, you know, I, I was hooked. So they, uh, w we were racing as Team HD at the time. None of us were with Naira. Mm -hmm. But we did well at Nationals, and Naira picked us up for 2014. And so we started racing with Naira. And one of my first races in 2014 was actually on Tame New England, yeah. which I did with about a week and a half notice because Chris Rice was supposed to be on the team but got injured so they invited me to fill in for him and uh which was pretty intimidating but you know it was yeah. it was cool I I decided to do it and God bless my wife is uh she's a professional athlete also and you know I was talking to her about it whether or not I should do it and she said are you kidding if you don't do this you'll never forgive yourself so yeah. that, that <laughs> so yeah. you know my spring of my first year or my second year racing i ended up doing the uh and i know a lot of people have stories about how you know some of them even their first races are expedition yeah. races but yeah i mean it's, it's a it's, big step <laughs> yeah it's a big step but you know it was awesome and you know i learned really quickly that expedition racing is a lot different than you know regular adventure racing you know single day 12 to 24 hour races yeah. but oh. all right but that was cool yeah. and then kind of went from there all right we're going to get back to that but you skipped over something and, and i gotta have i got one question so you went to college in new york city what's what was the single best night you ever had in college in new york city <laughs> that you can talk about oh boy <laughs> um oh man it would have been uh, new year's of now let me think. I gotta think about which year this was. It would have been 2005, 2000. No, I'm sorry. New Year's 2005 into 2006, and uh, it was awesome. I was actually dating a girl in in that lived in Queens at the time, and believe it or not, my student housing. So I was going to to a CUNY school, uh, John Jay College of Criminal Justice. I was a criminal justice major, and. Uh, and so it was a commuter school, so there wasn't any housing there. But for out-of-state or out-of-town students, you could get student housing in the city through, you know, a third, 
another company. And I actually lived in the New Yorker Hotel on 34th Street and 8th Avenue wow. because they had they had actually blocked off a couple floors of the hotel for student housing. So my my <laughs> my dorm room was in the New Yorker, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And right, you know, right down the street between the New Yorker and the Fashion Institute was this bar that let everybody in, regardless of how old you were. All you needed to do was have a pulse and be walking, and they'd let you in. So I, you know, I didn't even have we didn't even have to be 21 at the time to get in. But anyway, I dated this girl in in Queens, and I had all my friends come in, and we had a huge party at her house. And then we all took the train in, and we all went to this bar, and it was just completely off the hook and uh, we ended up I don't even know how we got back but we were all over the place we ended up uh, I ended up meeting my college roommate that night as well for the first time who was from Japan and barely spoke English we ended up taking him out with us uh, to the bar and he literally just gotten here he was going to the film school and Poor guy had no idea where he was or who he was with. We just like, oh, come out, bring, you know, bringing him out to the bar and buying him drinks. The guy, you know, he could only either point at what you had to ask for that or say Budweiser. <laughs> so we bought him about a thousand of whatever those were, and then just abandoned the poor guy. I don't, you know, miraculously he ended up making it back to the hotel. But uh, yeah, we 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 were talking about that night for a while and. Some of the shenanigans that went on that probably aren't appropriate for the podcast, yeah. but that was a pretty memorable one for sure. I am I am not disappointed in your story. <laughs> so, okay, um, okay, Untamed twenty fourteen. What do you what What is the one good memory you have of that race, and what are the rest of them? Oh man, you know what? Actually, I no, there's a lot of yeah. good memories. There are a lot of good memories from that race, and a lot of you know, there's a lot of suffering, of yeah. course, and the bushwhacking was ridiculous. But uh, I mean, overall, the, it was just such an amazing adventure. I, 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 I had a great experience, even though, like I said, it was tough. But we, we, my, my buddy Aaron, who I race with now, he, he was there too. Um, he was actually racing with Team Goals. And we still haven't stopped talking about that Abenaki Lost World mm-hmm. trek through the, with the that was some of the most serious bushwhacking we've ever done. But you know, it was it was really an amazing race. It was well organized and well put together. Uh, you know, monster paddle across Moosehead Lake, and then awesome biking through through all the logging roads and everything. And whitewater rafting was insane. I mean that that was definitely a highlight of the race. I mean I, I did not expect whitewater rafting that was that legit on the Kennebec. Yeah. We did, um, and actually what was cool about that, and a huge highlight of the race was actually getting to that whitewater rafting leg because we were the last team that stayed on the full pro course okay. and barely made the cutoff for the whitewater rafting in the last day mm-hmm. because. Um, we had come off of the this long trekking leg, and there was a bike leg that some of the teams in the TA weren't sure was going to be possible to clear, you know, and and make it to the whitewater rafting section on time by making the cutoff. But we had actually great strategy for that, and I commend uh, my teammates Olaf and 
and Bruce Swanson also, they and and Whitney, we we basically devised a plan where we could we would ride past where we would need to go for the whitewater rafting section to get this checkpoint that was kind of way out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But 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 in doing that, it, it allowed us to kind of start our clock, right, yeah. and say, okay, well, we know we're five minutes away from the rafting. Now we're 10 minutes away from the rafting. Now we're 15. So we knew when we would have had to turn back okay. and get back there in time to make the cutoff. And we were just hammering our brains out, you know, pace lining on these gravel roads, trying to get out there, and Olaf's navigation was brilliant. And um, we made it, grabbed this checkpoint. We managed to drop a couple of the teams um, that were around us by doing kind of some sneaky stuff. <laughs> and they ended up going to the rafting put in without clearing the bike section, but it was totally clearable, and we managed to do it. So we bumped up our standings by a couple places just by doing that and, uh, you know, really pushing and having good nav and having good strategy. And then we were actually rewarded not only with a great whitewater rafting section, but also the other Naira team was was in the in the TA, um, Rodney, uh, Villela, and Amy Bartoletti and their team were there, so we got to share a raft with the other Naira team. So we kind of did the rafting section and did the final bike to the finish line as a Naira super team, which was which was really cool. Yeah. So yeah. that was a that was a huge highlight, not just of that race, but of my entire race career. So um, when when Grant said that he was going to do the race again this year. Um, I wouldn't say I was hesitant to do it because of a bad experience I had in the last mm-hmm. race, but more because um, I've you know I've done it and I like to try to mix it up and do new things and experience new races. And I know this will be a completely yeah. new version of Untamed, but um, you know my my team wanted to do it, and this was a it, this was a race that worked for everybody's schedule and everybody's budget and. Uh, you know, I, I felt it was really important to to get in a big race with my with my team this year, so we signed up. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that because that you weren't like oh untamed, sign me up because almost everybody I've talked to are like you know we're like how soon how soon how soon can I sign up? So yeah, you know it's it's definitely got that cult following yeah. and that appeal. And I think, you know, it, there there was sort of that factor, too, that all of our adventure racing friends and almost anybody who's anybody, especially on the East Coast, is going to be at this yeah. race. And I haven't actually done U.S. Nationals for the past couple of years just because I've had other goals and other endeavors and things that I had going on. And, you know, like I, I went to... Costa Rica to do La Ruta last year, so I spent most of the year training for that, and uh, you know, so I've skipped nationals and, and every year, without a, without fail, I get somebody saying, why weren't you at nationals? We missed you at nationals, and it's supposed to be kind of this reunion thing, And but I don't know, I have this, I have, I have an awareness of the fact that I have, I have the burnout thing, right, where if yeah. I go too hard, or if I, you know, I try to do too much, um, then I get tired of it or I burn out. So I try to keep it keep it fresh by doing new races and doing new challenges and something completely different. Yeah. Like, you know, for instance, 2014 and 2015, I raced a lot, a lot, a lot. And 
you know, we, you, I saw you at, in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. I saw you, um, where else, where did I see you? Uh, Cowboy Tough in 2015. Mm-hmm. And then I did NARS Nationals and U.S. Nationals in 2015. And I, my body was pretty broken down by the end of the year. So I said, you know what? I took it a little slower in 2015, did more trail running and stuff. Last year I did some more mountain biking, endurance mountain biking, and did train for the race in Costa Rica. And I sprinkled some adventure racing in as well. I haven't been doing too, too much, but this year was a big year because I knew I wanted to get back into it. I wanted to race with my team. Uh, so Untamed was definitely um, on the schedule after we realized that was going to be working for everybody. And then uh, XPD actually just sort of the opportunity presented itself, and I had the time. So, uh, so I decided that, hey, what, what, you know, what better opportunity to keep it fresh or do something different than to go to Tasmania? I mean, what an amazing opportunity! So yeah. I seize that. Yeah, you really can't say no when that, when that email comes in, can you? <laughs> no, you know, it was. It was um, well, I mean, it's, it, it's still a big commitment. It's a big, uh, it's a big financial investment, um, and. You want to make sure too that it, you're racing with the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that it was Brent and Abby that invited me uh, was was a huge reason that I decided to go. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily have gone if it was just some random that invited me. But uh, I have a huge amount of respect for Brent and Abby, and I see them all the time. I've never raced with them until now, but they they're such. Uh, such good people and they they put on very thoughtful and and interesting and fun races and just from my experience being around them racing against them and doing their events i knew that we had a really good opportunity or a good chance of meshing really well as a team and turned out to be uh that turned out to be true yeah and you know if if, uh it comes to that brent can keep you occupied for like 24 hours by telling you a story (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know it's it's actually we had a great time storytelling because i was i was by far the least experienced person on that team mm-hmm. and uh you know they they were cool about that you know whatever we acknowledged that that wasn't a, that wasn't a secret you know we talked about that they're very communicative leading up to the race everybody's emailing and obviously sending long emails but i love sending long emails and as you can tell already that I like to talk a lot, and and so it actually worked out for me because, you know, I, I'm a little, I'm a little bit like Brent in, in some ways, so, so that wasn't a problem. And hearing their stories about their experiences and their races are, are always great. And and the same with Ryan. I mean, if you haven't talked to, I don't know, have you done, have you talked to Ryan on this show yet? Um, Ryan Van Gorder. Uh, no, I've. Um... It's been yeah. You got to talk to him because he yeah. he's got some amazing stories too, man. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, he's he's done. I think he said that XPD was his 29th expedition length race or something like that. I mean, yeah, he's done a bunch, and uh, and he's got some awesome stories too. So yeah. he he spent some time telling us some stories, and I spent some time trying to teach him Eminem lyrics, and <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah, I mean that that people that don't race don't understand how much fun that is in the middle of the night to hear other people's stories. So, 
Well, I mean, damn, you have so much time. Yeah. You know, it's like you're racing for over a hundred hours. You got to fill the time somehow. Exactly. And literally, you know, we had this long road ride, and uh, you know, Brent was with it with the nav. XPD was cool because we got two sets of maps. So Brent and I both got to nav at the same time. But he's really strong with the maps. So a lot of times I didn't really have to do anything. But you know, Ryan would be there. And, uh, you know, he's, he's great at engaging the team and, you know, not just telling stories, but just trying to kill time in other ways. And <laughs> we must I honestly, we must have spent, I must have spent about four hours trying to teach him, you know, song lyrics. And he, you know, he's good at a lot of things, but remembering song lyrics That's is probably not, not the one, one huh? of his big strengths. <laughs> but, but still, it doesn't matter, you know. It's just, it was funny and fun to just, you know, kill time that way, and it's, I don't know. Yeah. You're right. You know, people don't understand. Unless you experience it, it's like, you did what for 100 hours? It's yeah. like, what are you talking about? But, yeah. you know, hey, you tell stories, and you have fun together, and, and what a great bonding experience, you know. I, I'll never forget. I became such fast friends with Olaf and Whitney. I've, like, having, didn't I didn't even know them at all, mm-hmm. and racing with them, like, a couple times in 2013, we were, like, really fast friends i mean you you either bond really really well with somebody while you're racing with them really quickly or you find out just as quickly that you are not compatible with this person you know exactly it's like a lot of life experience crammed into a very short period of time well yeah it's you know it's adventure racing years are like dog years you know it's (laughs) i mean it, it is just so compressed i mean i'm I'm not going to tell all my same boring stories, but, you know, meeting a team and just, and, and even with me, which is, and I'm not a racer, but um, the, yeah, literally the bond, the things you tell people that you may have met like two hours ago is, would probably freak um, your family out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, and it's funny, you think about going on like a date with somebody or telling somebody that you're like thinking of becoming, uh, you know, involved with and becoming that honest that quickly it's like whoa but it's true it's just this stuff starts coming out and it's just like whoa what's going on here there's definitely some sort of phenomenon there that should be studied i don't know what it is but maybe we can find somebody to do a study well yeah you know there's so much money in adventure racing i'm sure there's grants for that (laughs) um um, yeah i just i just laughed a question out of my head but um so what are we should probably talk about Untamed since, like, I'm like the media person for Untamed New England, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm excited. You better bring some cokes with you. Pepsi. <laughs> I'll, Pepsi. Okay, I'll bring oh, cokes. Right. I'll take Pepsi. Well, you know what I've discovered is most places in the world it has to be a coke because you know, like South America and Central America, finding a Pepsi is like a needle in the haystack. Where cokes are everywhere. Oh man. Yeah. Case in point, I was doing I was doing La Ruta, and I was at the probably you know last last couple miles of of stage one, which is a real big hard one through all the mud and the hot heat and the jungle, and I was suffering pretty bad trying to get to the finish line. And there was this guy on the side of the road with a cooler and little plastic baggies full of Coca Cola, ice cold Coca Cola, handing them out. And I was like, I thought of you, Randy. I was like, this is this guy's like the Costa Rican Randy. He's giving me Coca-Cola and a baggie. And then it occurred to me that 
I should probably be careful telling the story to people when I say, oh, some guy on the side of the trail handed me a baggie of Coke <laughs> while I was riding. But yeah, uh, it, I tell you, man, that was a, that was a real pick-me-up. That got me to the finish line for sure, and I thought of and I thought of you. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, it'll be fun to see you in Untamed yeah. for sure, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, we'll we'll get there. But I want to talk. What was Laruta like? Because that was a race. I don't remember how many decades ago it started, but I, you know, the first couple of years it it was around. It was one of something on my radar, and then never did it. And then the year after, Worlds were in Costa Rica. I had talked to him a little bit about going down to cover it and have never got there. But what what's the vibe like in that race? Yeah, so the vibe is cool. I mean, uh, you know, their their motto down in Costa Rica is Pura Vida, which basically they say to everything. It's just sort of like, yeah, man, chill. Anything from like, thank you for that tip or, yeah, man, chill or have a good day or, you know, but whatever it is, it's all pretty chill and laid back. Um, you know, they do, they have that, they have that thing dialed, man. I'm telling you, I did it last year and, uh, and that was their 25th year. So they've been on 25 years now and it's amazing the amount of infrastructure and support, uh, they have for that race now. It's incredible. And from the, from the very get go, you sign up and literally they have what they call adventure concierge that contacts you and they will not just set you up with all the little extras and niceties and everything that you want to go along with your race mm-hmm. like uh, mechanic professional mechanic service or transportation or massage services or anything like that mm-hmm. but they'll plan your entire Costa Rica vacation before and after the race for you and um, we d- I did stay actually I went down I did the race and then my wife flew down we stayed for a week on vacation so um they they did a great job and I mean they have tons of staff they have you know helicopters following the race they've got volunteers out on the race course uh, especially so for the first for the first uh, for the first stage they have that goes through the the jungle it was you know pretty remote in a lot of areas but they actually put volunteers out at every river cross or every major river crossing because the year or two before a guy got washed away and was missing in the jungle for two days and almost <laughs> he almost died. I mean, that's an amazing story. That that guy, he lost his bike, his shoes, his backpack. He's wandering around barefoot in the jungle, and it was insane. So anyway, this time they have ropes so you can go across the, the river crossings, and they've got people there watching just in case somebody crosses and gets tripped up. But, you know, we ended up staying in uh, – amazing hotels too i mean it's nothing like adventure racing it's this is like you're staying in style every night huge you know beachfront casino in hako before the race starts and uh you know these really nice hotels along the way um you know they they did a great job and i i mean everybody i've spoken to i highly recommend it it's an amazing amazing experience and costa rica is such an amazing place like the race is so cool because the first day I'm like dying of heat stroke and the second day I'm freezing my ass off on the top of a volcano. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just the just the amount of different environments that they can pack into such a small country and uh, and the amount of wildlife and the people are great. I mean, I really can't say enough good things about it. Oh, cool. Sounds, sounds like I should have done it 
25 years ago when I was good. <laughs> so you can still do it now, Randy. Anything's possible. I got a dog that I have to play and take out every night. So yeah, someday. Oh, that is a lame excuse, man. I you got to come up with something better than that. Okay, you know what I you know what I like to do for fun now is go to races, walk with a camera. And that's what I yeah, that's what yeah. I do for training and I am really good at that. <laughs> you are. I see your pictures and all the and all the treks you take and stuff with the dog i enjoy it on i look at your, your stuff on facebook all the yeah, time thank you and i also look at paulette's stuff on facebook all the time and she's doing some amazing stuff so maybe she's the one that needs to go to la Ruta. uh well we we pivoted this year she was going to go to france for the trans pyrenees again which is mm-hmm. 860 mile 860k run they were having a little organizational problem, so she's pivoted. So now she's doing a 340-mile bike pack race in a month. <laughs> so, Where is that? Um, actually here in, in South Dakota. So they do oh, cool. 700 miles across the state, you know, through the Black Hills and everything. And then they do uh, the 340, which goes to the Missouri River, pack craft across the Missouri River and finish. So, um yeah, she pivoted to that this Sounds year. Awesome. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Um, okay, adventure racing. Focus, focus. Um, <laughs> not really. If the day I focus will be the day that uh, this won't be fun. What are you guys looking forward to? Um, you know, not necessarily racing wise, but but experience wise with Untamed. Uh, uh Honestly, I think what I, what I'm most looking forward to besides racing with my friends, obviously mm-hmm. that's always that's always number one when it comes to racing is just you know having fun with my friends. But I really am looking forward to seeing what kind of diabolical nonsense Grant has in store for us this year. It's just like that guy has like the brilliant mind for you know torturing people in amazing ways. So I. Uh, you know, I've only done one of his races, but it made a big enough impression on me, and I think I learned enough from it to realize that, you know, you could pretty much expect anything out of Grant. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to enough people about his past races that they've, they've managed to get me way more excited about doing this race than I was initially. You know, once we signed up and I started talking to people, and I realized how many people are going and that I get to race with my, you know, my team that... Uh, you know, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a cool experience. Yeah. You know, like you said, regardless of what the results are, you know, obviously we have our ambitions to do really well and race a smart race and go fast and and have fun and everything. But yeah. but uh, yeah, just experiencing the wilderness and and Grant's idea of a race course. I can't. Uh, I can't wait to see it because you know, I've done a little bit of race directing here and there, and it really gives me a an appreciation for what the race directors go through in planning and executing a race and uh you know i think that that perspective is has been really important for me yeah. and it's made me appreciate the sport even more all right um just a couple more things here so um tell me a little bit about about naira what you got going on yeah things. so naira yeah yeah so naira we are uh we are based in the New York area, we have a good following of local people that uh, that are awesome, awesome supporters that come out to a lot of our events. Um, again, it's the acronym is New York Adventure Racing Association, naira.org. Check it out. 
but uh, we put on, you know, adventure races. We put on uh, row gains and a couple of trail races during the year. I started up with the navigation clinics again this year, trying to get some new people involved, and the response to that was really great. Got some new people out learning how to navigate and um, putting on a new uh, navigation race, a new row gain. Uh, on the 30th of this month in Fonstock State Park in New York. So that'll be cool. There'll be four and eight-hour eight options there with a night O, which I added for the untamed people to come out and get some practice doing some night nav. So hopefully we get some of them out there. But, uh, yeah, Naira's been a great organization. We've had a lot of, it's you know, it's been around for a long time. And we've got a lot of members that are really dedicated to supporting us and a lot of teammates, you know, like Rodney and Amy who have been around for a long time that do a lot to promote the sport and to get out there. They were just out in Oregon racing. Um, Jason Magnus's race out there and you know, so we try to stay we try to stay visible as much as possible. We've had a couple years where we've had a transition period now where Rodney and Amy are stepping back a little bit from some of the race directing and the Coranes and I have started to pick up the pick up the slack there because um, we're kind of we're transitioning a little bit to the younger generation, I think. And it's been it's been tough. It's definitely a learning curve there, but we're really passionate about the sport and keeping the organization alive. And we're fortunate to have good sponsors too. We're racing as Naira Montbell actually at uh, at Untamed, and Rodney and Amy raced as Naira Montbell at Expedition Oregon. Uh, because Montbell has been an awesome, awesome supporter of ours, and they provide us with lots of good gear and equipment to keep us going. So if you haven't heard of Montbell, too, you could check that yeah. out, montbell.us. Yeah. A little plug for our sponsors there. I hope you don't mind. No, we'll throw a link in the show notes, as they say in the real podcast. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. okay, i got two questions left, one fairly serious and one really serious. So fairly serious. Is there somebody in your adventure race career that you should, like, publicly thank for something? (laughs) How's that for being vague? Is there somebody that, like, for some reason just said something or did something that really resonated with you? Um. Yes, that's an interesting question. And this is one of those questions that I wish you had sent me ahead of time so I could think about it and not offend anybody. Yeah, but I just thought of it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And that's a good question. That's pretty uh, inspired on on off the cuff there. I would have to say, I think, um, so Denise Mast Mm -hmm. is the NIR organization president, and she has done a great job. Uh, not only with the organization but also in having faith in us and our vision for where we want the organization to go and really from the get-go I mean I was a nobody in the adventure race scene and she agreed to take me on my second year of racing and that probably had a little bit to do with the Hedbergs and I'll get to that but uh, you know Denise has been a great supporter of, of ours and of the sport and without her vote of confidence and her bringing me onto the team in 2014 uh, I don't I'm not sure I'd still be 
I'd still be doing this. You know, that gave me the opportunity to meet so many amazing people and get so much more involved in the sport. And I have so many opportunities now that I might not have had otherwise. So I certainly would like to publicly thank Denise. And the uh, and the Hedbergs, Olaf and Whitney. I know you said one person, Edmund. but I'm going to make it three, so deal with That's it. That's cool. But uh, Olaf and Whitney were awesome because they, they gave me a chance even before Denise did. You know, they saw me at their race, and they said, hey, let's race together. And, and that may seem like a simple thing to a lot of people who race who just say, oh, yeah, we'll just, you know, race with whoever. But we raced together. We had fun. We did well. And, I'm, you know, I'm convinced that when – they were in talks to get picked up by Naira, by Denise in 2014. They they kind of brought me along with them, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, is it's you know I, I I try hard and everything, and I don't want to just say that I've been riding their coattails or anything like that. But you know, I do owe them a debt of gratitude for mm-hmm. for uh, for helping me out, getting me established, and kind of showing me the ropes because. I learned a lot from them, probably, probably more than any any other individuals in the sport so far in my career. I learned a lot from Olaf and Whitney, yeah. um, and uh, you know, both good and bad. You know, there we, we don't. Uh, I don't want to say bad, but I would say that I learned what works for me and what doesn't. You know, may or what works for Olaf and Whitney may not work for me, but. You know, it was it was always a learning experience, and we always had a good time. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't race with them anymore, really, and it's it's a shame that I don't because I do miss them. But they're out in Colorado now doing their thing, and I'm over here kind of holding the fort down if I can. But you know, they did a they did an amazing job with with Naira. Yeah. Olaf was the team captain there for a while, and. Uh, you know, he did a great job as team captain trying to get people inspired and get people racing again and get people working on races and volunteering and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah I think Denise and the, and the Hedbergs are both huge influences in my racing career. Okay. Well, you don't know how well that ties into my really, really important question. So, Okay. What's that? Who's prettier, Olaf or Whitney? <laughs> <laughs> It depends on how long Olaf's hair is. <laughs> if he's got the locks flowing, I don't know. It's hard to compete. I am. I'm, um, I've told people this before. I don't know if I've said publicly, but I think Olaf is my favorite person in adventure racing to take pictures of. So. <laughs> <laughs> he he is definitely full of character. He, in a in a still shot or in real life, yep. I will I will give you that one hundred percent. And my God, that hair! When he's got that hair in good form and it's really going, yep. I mean, can't compete with that. Yep. Sorry, Whitney, but yeah, I think she would agree. The Thor hair. So, all right, I am going to say goodbye, but I have a really good reason. I'm not taking the dog for a walk. Um, I actually am going to be talking with uh, Nathan about what happened in China. Oh my God! I can't wait to hear yeah. that. That's crazy. Yeah. Have they actually released uh, an official statement on that? Yet? I don't think so. I and we'll. Think I think so? I think we're going to take Nathan's as the. Uh, so which that podcast will the official statement. Yeah, that podcast will be out because I'm going to like record it now and put it out tonight, and yours will be like two okay. two weeks. So. Okay. Um. So. 
Uh, we'll see you in. Uh, it's not very far to until. I know so. it's coming up, man. Yeah, so I got to start packing so I don't wait till the last minute, right? That's Andy? right. That's the rule. So, <laughs> although I have really become a last Even minute if- packer. <laughs> it's easy to do. It is. It's a lot easier to be a last-minute packer than it is to start planning ahead. But I find that even if I just put out a pair of socks that I plan to take to the race okay. a few days in advance, then I'm at least starting to pack. Ah, that's cool. So, All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, long overdue chat, but it was worth it. Yeah, well, thanks for reaching out. I appreciate it. And uh Look forward to seeing you at Untamed, wherever that may end up being. We'll find out soon. Thanks. All right. Talk to you. Bye. Is a fright. I'm hairy high and low, but don't ask me why, cause he don't know. It's not for lack of bread, like the grateful dead. Darling Give me a head with hair Long, beautiful hair Shining, gleaming, streaming, flaxing, waxing Give me down to there Shoulder length longer Shoulder length longer, dear baby, there. 